Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Frickbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, my darling. <sighs> it's going to be a wild couple months up in this country, huh? It, it really will be. I feel like we all had... Okay, so we're recording this a week early. I feel like we all had a collective sigh of relief this past weekend. Uh, and then you're like, you know what? I'm not going to have to watch the news. Like, I'm good. I can just, like, throw my TV out. Oh, girl. <laughs> no. There's so much work to do. (laughs) It's going to be a doozy of a couple of months. Yeah. I think what we're learning is the privilege of not engaging is privilege that we shouldn't take on. I don't think we can anymore. No, I think we never should have. I think that's how we got here. (sighs) But lesson learned. We walk forward. We strive forward. That's it. And today we take a breather for like 30 minutes. And we talk about, you know, we take a stroll down history lane. I'm here for a breather. And I'm here for history because I think I know what you're doing today. And I am very excited for this one. Ooh. Well, let me start here. What kind of fan are you, Rachel? Are you a person who panics? Do you have blind faith? I am uh, probably a little bit of everything. And also, like, I'm not afraid to throw down. I'm not afraid to scrap. I was at. (laughs) I was in (laughs) Oakland. I've talked about this before. (laughs) Watching Toronto beat the Golden State Warriors, and there was this row of fuck, just douchey douches in front of us, and uh, it's like they had never been there before. It's like they had never won a single thing, and like every point that they got, they would look, turn around, and look at us and be like, "Oh yeah, my God!" It's like. My guys, have a little class. You guys have a million and one trophies. And I say this mostly to our producer, Caroline, too, because she's a huge Warriors fan. She's probably friends with these guys. (laughs) But (laughs) I got in their face. Warriors friends are friends. Yeah, I yelled at them a lot. Uh, And then when they (laughs) – Caroline just said they're my BFFs. Yeah. When we won, oh, my God, I rubbed it in. They left before the buzzer, losers. Look, I mean, I get that. If there's one thing we're learning, like, we can't just always be, like, we'll be, like, good winners, but then they're just, like, sore winners, sore losers. They're always sore. Sometimes you got to throw back. I get that. Listen, I'm all – I think we've established this many times. We're all for petty on this podcast, and your girl likes to get a little petty. You do. I am more of a panicker fan. Like, I'm, like, first quarter, we're down by, like, three. I'm, like, it's over. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm at home and watching like a Browns game, I will get changed often. I will change my clothes. Yeah. Are you, do you, look, as a Cleveland fan, it's just hard not to always be like, oh boy. In panic mode? It's hard to believe that the good thing will happen. Yeah. We could be up a million to one and be like, we're going to find a way to blow this. I don't know. Yeah. It's there. I feel good, but like I won't let myself fully feel good, you know? Yeah. No, I totally feel that. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about a very famous fan. We're going to be talking about a fan who was in the wrong seat 
at the wrong time, specifically mm-hmm. in Section 4, Row 8, Seat 113 at Major League Baseball's Wrigley Field on October 14th, 2003. That is an excellent seat. First row on the aisle along the third baseline, not far from the left field wall. An especially awesome seat when your hometown Chicago Cubs are playing the Florida Marlins in Game 6 of the NLCS, where the Cubs hold a 3-2 to two advantage in the series. So I think you've probably guessed who I'm going to talk about today. Oh, yeah, baby. That's right. Mr. Steve Bartman. I got to say, oh, I boy. did like a spoof on Steve Bartman. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people do know who he is, but this story is so good. I did a, like a sketch on Steve Bartman a couple of years ago after the Cubs had won. And oh my God, I have never gotten so much backlash. I don't think on anything funny that I've ever tried to make. Like it was so many people were so protective over this man. It was, I, get I was it. like, oh my God, I had no, I like how ah, we're all having a laugh here. And people are like, no, no, you don't. Not Steve Bartman. I get it. When I tell you this story today, you're going to get it too. Yeah, dude. It was intense. So at the time, Steve Bartman was 26 years old, a thoroughly likable and decent person who loved baseball his entire life. He used to catch fly balls hit by his dad in the batting field behind his house. Oh, So cute. I already have a pit in my stomach. And he now coaches a youth baseball team. Wait. Steve Bartman. Hold on. Steve, Steve Bartman's whereabouts are known? Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. He's just a regular Major League Baseball-loving guy whose life completely changed after this game I'm about to walk you through. Okay. Okay. I'll save my questions because I have so many now. <laughs> so leading up to Game 6 of the 2003 NLCS, just to give you a little background, the Marlins had won Game 1, then the Cubs had won Games 2, 3, and 4, and then the Marlins had won Game 6. Mm-hmm. So... We're heading into game six, as I said, where the Cubs are up three games to two, but it was like a super close series. Both games one and three went into extras. It's intense. The Cubs being up three, two is a big, big deal. And then we're in game six and the Cubs have built a decently comfortable lead going into the eighth inning. They're up three to zero with the Marlins at bat and one out. Cubs pitcher Mark Pryor, a very, very good pitcher had allowed only three hits and no runs going into the eighth. So that's an excellent day of pitching. Mm. Things are looking great for the Cubs. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, is this the one? Yeah. Chicago's singing. Okay, so Mark Pryor's having a great game. Top of the eighth. He pitches to the Florida Marlins' Luis Castillo, who hits a foul ball to the left field corner ball. Kind of thing that happens all the time. Cubs left fielder Moises Alou runs over to make the catch for a second out in the end. Reaching into the stands The ball deflects off Bartman's hand and breaks up the chance for him to make the out. Oh no. That's awfully close to fan interference right there. Alou slams his glove down and shouts at the fans in the stands. It's intense. Everyone's like, oh boy. The umpire's all over it. The umpire right down there, Mike Everett's on the play. If Alou has to reach into the stands, it's fair game for the fans to catch the ball. If the fan reaches out over the field, then it can be ruled fan interference. That is very, very close. Now, re-watching this moment, 
you can see that several fans go for that ball. Mm-hmm. Like if you and I are there, we're probably going for that. Oh, ball. I'm like that's climbing common over practice. men, women, and children. Yeah, yeah, that's common practice at baseball games when balls go foul. Yeah, people literally bring baseball gloves so that they can catch foul balls. Yes, it's common. But ultimately, in that moment, it was Steve Bartman's hand that touched <gasps> the ball and messed up the play, so he became the scapegoat. Fans were screaming obscenities at him, and one walked right up to him and poured a beer on his head. Uh, It's nuts. Fans are wild. Did he, I'm trying to like picture this because I've watched the video before a million times. Was he wearing a baseball glove? No. It was just his bare hand. It was just his bare hand. Right. So the deal is, had Alou completed the catch, that second out would have meant the Cubs were only four outs away from going to the World Series and winning their first National League pennant since 1945. It was a big deal. Instead, the Bartman incident led to a series of mishaps, which resulted in the Cubs giving up eight more runs. Oh. After the Bartman incident, Mm -hmm. the Cubs are up 3-0. It's the top of the eighth. There's one out. Yeah, that wasn't a game-ending situation. You know, they're doing fine. Yeah. But after that incident, there was like a bunch of stuff that happened that was unusual, that made it feel insane. Like their shortstop, who was really good, Alex Gonzalez, misplayed a routine ground ball. Oh, no, they're falling apart. Yeah. They're falling apart. There was like all these errors. There was a wild pitch. All of a sudden, it's like, what's happening? Yeah. What ends up happening in that eighth inning after the Bartman play is that <laughs> the Marlins are now up 8-3. Whoa! Oh my my god! Okay, so uh, So change of events, tough stuff. Okay, well we're we're athletes. Like we've been there before. Just like one weird situation, then all of a sudden everyone's in their heads, and then all of a sudden they're not focused on the game, and then it all just starts to go to shit. Woo! So whether it was fair or not, people felt like the turning point happened with the Bartman play as he left the stadium. With a police escort, because people were freaking out. Did Fans were pelting him with food, beer, and other debris. Oh. And then the next night in Game 7. The stars were aligned. To make matters worse. For the Cubs to erase that 58. At Wrigley Field. With a three games to one lead. The Marlins rallied from a 5-3 deficit. But Beckett and the Marlins shut out the Cubs in Game 5. They scored eight runs in an improbable eighth inning last night to beat Mark Bryant. To beat the Cubs 9-6 to six and advance to the World Series. And the Florida Marlins have come back from three games to one down to win the National League pennant. Where they ultimately beat the, the Yankees four games to two. Oh. Oof. oh my God. Did Bartman stay for the whole game? Do you know? Yeah, because it happened in the eighth. Yes, I think he did. I think he was probably hoping they'd win and then it would not be a big deal, right? Guys, I'm good. I'm good. So this series of unfortunate events for the Chicago Cubs and our poor guy, Steve Bartman, continued. But I'll tell you what happened post-series after some ads. Hall of Shame is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 2020 has changed 
a lot of things and it's changed the world of sports. You guys, some teams are adapting to the times by making changes in their stadiums and arenas while others are letting fans buy virtual seats in the stands. These changes have created demand for a wide range of unexpected roles from plexiglass screen installers to video platform support specialists. Whether you have hiring needs for new positions like these or positions you're already familiar with, there's only one place to go. Zip Recruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash shame. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds the most qualified ones for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For a variety of industries, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right people for your roles, even with the new rules. ZipRecruiter is a hiring game changer. That's why you need it for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash shame. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-H-A-M-E. Don't miss your chance. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash shame. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Bev. Listen, when we started this podcast, we went into a room and had a whole female team. It was a female producer. Shout out to Caroline. We had female execs, Retcha and I, obviously ladies. I think it was so rad to be in that kind of room. And it's important to support female founded and run businesses who run the world. Girls, girls. Bev is a female-first canned wine brand that was founded to change not only the way a product is consumed, but the way an industry and culture have operated for generations. In an industry that is almost exclusively masculine, I can relate, I'm in sports, Bev is breaking norms and creating something from the female perspective that is approachable, fun, and consumer-centric. Did I just describe Bev and our podcast? I think I did. They have three varietals, Rosé, Sauve Blanc, and Pinot Gris, as well as a limited edition extra fizzy sparkling white wine for the holidays. Girls, boys, all of us, I love some sparkling white wine at any time, particularly the holidays, but also on a Tuesday afternoon. Their wines are dry, crisp, and a little fizzy, super refreshing and delicious. They have zero sugar and only three carbs and 100 calories per serving. What? The cans may look cute and tiny, but each can is a glass and a half of wine. Perfect for when you don't want to open a bottle of wine just for yourself. We've been there. A 24-pack is equal to eight bottles of wine. Their four-packs are the perfect and cutest holiday gift for everyone on your list. Bev ships straight to your door, and shipping is always free. And hello, we have worked out an exclusive deal for Hall of Shame podcast listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying their best-selling Ladies' Night variety packs. You can check out all of their delicious varietals. Go to drinkbev.com slash shame or use code shame at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V dot com slash shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by the Just Women's Sports Podcast. It has been a historic month for women. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. Kamala Harris has shattered one of the highest glass ceilings in the land. If you want even more stories of women crushing expectations and breaking barriers, the Just Women's Sports Podcast was made for you and for me. Host Kelly O'Hara, whom we love, by the way, known for big tackles, World Cup titles, and Olympic gold medals, sits down each week with the biggest names in women's sports to talk about the untold stories behind their success. 
These are candid, peer-to-peer conversations on everything from post-Olympic celebrations to fighting for social justice, overcoming injuries, and balancing motherhood with championship ambitions. This sounds so cool. Take a break from an exhausting yet glorious election and join Kelly on the Just Women's Sports podcast. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Can't wait to get started. Follow the team on social at Just Women's Sports and subscribe to their newsletter for the latest highlight stories and analysis. Straight to your phone. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Lawrenceworth has come into the game for Dusty Baker after the Florida Marlins. Score three times to tie this game. And it's safe to say that every Cub fan has to be wondering right now, is the curse of the Billy Goat alive and well? Two bizarre plays have occurred in this inning, which have helped the Marlins tie this game up at three. So we're back. To pick up where we left off, Chicago Cubs fan Steve Bartman had just been booed and beard out of the stadium for accidentally breaking up a potential out, which then led to a series of events, which led to the Cubs losing that game and the subsequent game and not making it to the World Series. I don't even think I've been booed before, let alone beard. I don't think I'd be able to handle it. Have you been booed? Well, look, I think it was really tough for him. Here is the deal about it all. It was like a part of a much bigger thing because the thing about the Cubs up to that point is that they seemed cursed and the Bartman incident only seemed to lend further evidence to that. Quite literally, this curse had a name. It's called the Curse of the Billy Goat, where in 1945, a Cubs fan named William Sienis was asked to leave Wrigley Field because his pet goat was being too loud and he allegedly put a curse on the team. And they hadn't won an NLCS since. And (gasps) their drought in the World Series dated all the way back to 1908. So these fans, they're on edge for like a hundred years. Wow. (laughs) Being cursed by a goat, that's like out of the witch. These Cubs fans were beleaguered, frustrated, hungry, and primed as hell to scapegoat someone for another crushing defeat. Wow. And they probably wanted to switch up the curse. They're like, we don't want to be cursed by a goat. Like, let's be cursed by Steve Bartman now. <laughs> let's switch it up. They're just like, let's move on. Yeah. Next curse. Here we go. Here it goes again. Let's get a little more creative this time, guys. <laughs> this poor guy literally received death threats from yeah. Irene fans. Soon after the incident, known to be super corrupt shithead Illinois Governor Rod... I'm going to say this one time, Rachel. Yeah. Blagojevich. Wow. What a title. What a name. (laughs) Who was later impeached and sent to prison. Fuck this guy. Publicly suggested Bartman should join the witness protection program. Like, Um, hey, hey. How about you say to the asshole fans, like, let's let's all calm down. This is a human being. How about that? Yeah. How about don't commit crimes in office? The following day, Mitch Album, who was a Detroit sports writer and radio talk show host, said, quote, he was a Cubs fan. He brought it upon himself. If you don't want to drown, don't go in the middle of the river. Nice. You guys, this is a human being. This is a human life. Come on. Wow. Rachel, you and I are giant sports fans, but there is a limit. 
I don't even think you need, here's the thing, you don't even need to tell, that's not even something you need to say. People should just collectively understand that this is a game. This is a human being. I remember, shit, I feel like ESPN did like a 30 for 30 on this and I watched like the beginning of it one time. And there was just like people looking for Bartman, like all throughout the city that night. Yeah. It was was crazy. Awful. He felt so bad that he issued a public apology. Yeah, I remember that. His statement read, I had my eyes glued on the approaching ball the entire time and was so caught up in the moment that I did not even see Moises Alou, much less that he may have had a play. Had I thought for one second that the ball was playable or had I seen Alou approaching, I would have done whatever I could to get out of the way and give Alou a chance to make the catch. I asked that Cubs fans everywhere redirect the negative energy that has been vented towards my family my friends, and myself into the usual positive support for our beloved team on their way to being National League champs. And also, if you look at him that night, he's in this, like, cute sweater, this cute, like, baseball sweater. He has his headphones on, so he was probably also listening to the game on radio so that he could hear the call. Totally. he was such a Cubs fan. Also, I've got to say, if I was sitting where Steve Bartman was sitting and there was a foul ball on the way to, like, destroy my melon, I would probably put my hands up there and try and catch it. Like I said, in the video, you can see a bunch of fans doing it. Totally. Like, like you, even if just, he wasn't the only one. He just happened to be the one. But there's a if it had been someone else, it would have been them. It's sort but, of like... But sh- the, the thing is, is, like, yes, people grab it to, like, grab the ball. But also... Like, people get knocked out from baseballs at, ba- at baseball games. So like you I know. Also- you see jerks, like, push kids over to get it. It's terrible. Yeah, I saw you do that one time. So. <laughs> uh, Rachel, I think everyone listening knows that that's a Rachel move, not a Retina move. Like, not – no oh, question. Oh, I need to change my character. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Chicago Sun-Times identified him on their website. That's not great. <sighs> identified him Bartman didn't report to work the following day his answering machine reportedly had been disconnected a Chicago Tribune columnist declared that Bartman will almost certainly have to leave town and start again elsewhere if he wants to have some semblance of a normal life meanwhile in Florida as they celebrated the Marlins victory they celebrated Bartman too Dave Barry from the Miami Herald said on behalf of the citizens of Miami if the guy wants to come here we'll hold a parade for him and Florida Governor Jeb Bush offered him political asylum, saying, I promise we will expedite his safe passage. Fucking oh. Florida adding fire as ever. Yeah, like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, this is such a fun, like, entertain, like little statement. It, yeah, it's like, this is a man's life, you guys. Also, he doesn't want to live in your garbage yeah, state. <laughs> nobody wants to be in Florida. I'm sorry, Florida, but I'm a little salty with you right now. Steve Bartman could have been a Florida man, and he said, no, I don't (laughs) want to be a Florida man. That's it. I'd rather sit in Chicago with all these death threats. That's how much. Um, There were some people trying to do the right thing. Dan McGrath, who was sports editor of the Chicago Tribune, said his paper knew Bartman's identity, but initially declined to name him. McGrath said he's not a criminal. He didn't do anything illegal, and he could be ruined in this town. And Cubs manager Dusty Baker, like, cringed when he heard that reporters were descending on Bartman's house. He felt for him. Ew, they tried to go to his house? It's so rough. Mark Pryor, who was the pitcher at the time of the incident, 
said he didn't blame Bartman. Quote, we had chances to get out of that situation. That's right. Yeah, y'all are bums. I hung an 0-2 curveball to Rodriguez that he hit for a single. Alex Gonzalez, who's a sure thing at shortstop, the ball came up on him and things just snowballed. Everybody mm-hmm. in the clubhouse and management knows that play is not the reason we lost the game. It's still the coast of the Billy Goat. It has nothing to do with Bartman. <laughs> we still blame the Billy Goat. But despite many seeing it appropriately and fairly, life sucked for Steve Bartman for a long time. Two nights after the incident, Bartman was too afraid to return to his house, which was under the watch of police. Ten years after the incident, Bartman was still declining interviews and avoiding all media requests. He remained out of the public eye. He never returned to Wrigley Field for a decade. That sucks. He allegedly turned down book deals, commercials, and a six-week Florida vacation. I mean, one thing is clear. Steve Bartman is not here for Florida. <laughs> that usually sucks. It's not okay. Over the years, Moises Alou has gone back and forth on whether or not he could have even caught the ball. In 2016, he told the Chicago Tribune that he would have made the catch. He said, I had the ball, but it doesn't matter anymore. I got upset at the time, but it was not the kid's fault. You're right. It doesn't matter. So why would you say that you could have gotten it? (laughs) Do we need to talk about it You loser. So let me, before we get to it, talk to you about what happened to the infamous foul ball itself. Ooh. After it bounced off Bartman's hands. That shit's evil. Landed in the lap of a 33-year-old lawyer sitting behind him. The unnamed attorney said he planned to fund his child's college education with the profits of selling the ball and put the ball up for auction that December. Oh, my. The ball was purchased for $113,824.16. Oh, my God. I would argue it'd be worth like a million dollars now. Let me tell you why it can't be worth a million dollars now. So in 2004, at a restaurant, they had a special effects coordinator drill a hole in the ball, insert explosives, and blow it up. Are you joking me? The MC said, quote, you are now looking at $113,000 worth of string. (laughs) The remains are on display in a glass case at the Chicago Sports Museum in Water Tower Palace. That's insane. They're like, we got to get rid of this curse. I guess. At the time, the event's organizers were hoping against hope that Bartman would attend, but he wasn't interested in any more negative limelight than he'd already gotten. Understandable. Imagine if he was the one that like pressed the red button to make it explode. Just how cathartic would that be? I know, but he is like, leave me alone. I'm just a dude who got really lucky with some good seats. (laughs) It's rough. But Rachel, don't despair because like the 2020 election, knock on wood, God willing, this story too has a hopeful and cathartic end. As you know, in 2016, the Chicago Cubs finally ended their 108-year drought. Yeah. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Bryant, the Cubs win the World Series! Bryant makes the play! It's over! And the Cubs have finally won it all. Eight, seven, and ten. And won the World Series by defeating my beloved Cleveland Indians and ending the agony suffered by many Cubs fans. But I should note, continuing the suffering of many Indians fans. <laughs> I gotta say, though, with 
as publicized as the Cubs drought was, like, was there, I mean, it's tough because it was against your team, but like, I was so happy for them. It was so exciting to watch Chicago come together, get it done. The city went crazy. Yeah. I can't like quite be there with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hear but you. yes, no, I could appreciate it on a historical sports level. Sure. As a Pretty fan good of story. Yeah. Anyway, 14 years after the infamous Bartman incident, wow. Cubs owner Tom Ricketts reached out to Steve Bartman and presented him with his own personalized World Series ring. He brought Bartman back to Wrigley and showed oh. him around before presenting the ring. Wow, and I totally said, still thought he was undercover. He said, on behalf of the entire Chicago Cubs organization, we are honored to present a 2016 World Series championship ring to Mr. Steve Bartman. We hope this provides closure on oh an God. unfortunate chapter of the story that has perpetuated throughout our quest to win a long-awaited World Series. While no gesture can fully lift the public burden he has endured for more than a decade, we felt it was important Steve knows that he has been and continues to be fully embraced by this organization. After all he has sacrificed, we are proud to recognize Steve Bartman with this gift today. Wow. And Steve Bartman, a testament to not staying bitter, issued his own statement where he said, quote, Although I do not consider myself worthy of such an honor, I am deeply moved and sincerely grateful to receive an official Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series championship ring. I'm fully aware of the historical significance and appreciate the symbolism the ring represents on multiple levels. My family and I will cherish it for generations. Aww. He ended it by saying he was happy to be back in his Cubs family and, quote, I am happy to be reunited with the Cubs family and positively moving forward with my life. <gasps> oh, my God. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. I have an idea, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. America... Yeah, get your shit together. Can maybe leave the Steve Bartmans <laughs> of the world in peace and maybe focus their energy on knowing truth and then outrage on the people who deserve it. Donald Trump, every single person complicit in the propping up of Donald Trump, and again, just for good measure, Donald Trump. <laughs> I feel like I need I feel like I need to redeem myself here. I made a sketch about Steve Bartman when the Cubs won the World Series and it was about how he was able to like live his life now because people can stop being assholes to him. I so I was on his side. You were but Team I think Bartman. people were so I think that obviously there was so much like frustration and hatred in the beginning, but I do think and hope that a lot of people kind yeah. of really came like got behind him. I think he ended up becoming kind of a beloved Now figure. he is beloved in Chicago, yeah. I think. Well, we won't turn our outrage on you cuz like I said, there's much more important things to turn our outrage on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But dang, now I kind of want to listen, I love this was such a great story. I love Steve Bartman. Now I kind of want to go back and like watch the documentary about it because it was just so crazy. Like it I was so good. Remember, you should like helicopter footage. Like people were actually like looking like subway cameras. They were trying to like find him. It was crazy. Poor, just a guy. Imagine like where he started that night. You know that like meme where it's like where it began, where it ended. Like he started that night being like my ass has sweet seats <laughs> to hey. game six. Of the yeah. NLCS where my beloved Cubs might clinch to go to the World Series. Like, just like riding high, leaves, having food and beer thrown at him, like a scapegoat oh for an entire city. 
You know what would probably sell for day. so much money is if Bartman had a picture of himself, like by the field, like so excited to be here. I can't wait to watch my cubbies. And then <laughs> shit goes down. <gasps> Poor guy. I really truly feel for him. People are so shitty. Yeah. People are just so unable to process disappointment. And I feel like we're seeing it on like a very huge level right now. And it's like, you guys, there are actual people like in the world when you do these things. There are actual people like, for instance, counting ballots when you're sitting here screaming because there's like a tantrum being had by the idiot in chief. Mm -hmm. And there's actual people who are fans who like did nothing that any fan wouldn't have done. So leave them alone. Let them do their thing. Let them enjoy baseball. Let's be reasonable. Let's be kind. Right? I think that's a good message to go out on. Yeah. Everyone just needs to be nicer to each other. Kindness first. Wow. Rachel, we leave today's story, you know, in a quiet place, in a thoughtful place. We are in a thoughtful place. I'm going to go meditate. I love it. This was a really good story. You did a great job, Rachel. It was fun. Maybe Steve Bartman's a listener. Maybe this story a little bit is a metaphor for like the healing like you guys let's do some healing yeah we all need to like stop being dicks to each other (sighs) okay well this was so good thanks for listening I'll see you guys next week thanks for listening bye guys Hall of Shame is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and me, Rachel Bonetta. And me, Rechna Fripbaum. Editing and sound design by Kyle Seglin. Brian Semmel is our associate producer. And Allison Falzetta is our development producer. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp for production support every week. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.